so if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope that you do, join us in Isaiah. So we've been in Isaiah two months now and looking at a series, what we call Yahweh Saves. Why do we call it that? Because Isaiah means Yahweh Saves. And what a great reminder it is for us that the Lord is our salvation. So as you turn there, if you do not have a Bible, if you don't have one at home, take that pew Bible home. It is our gift to you. If you are using the pew Bible, if you would give me the page number, because I do not have that. So I'll give you a chance to turn there. Um, My name is Josh Burnham, lead pastor here. um, And just so thankful that we are not created for isolation. So what you do here today matters. God has knit you together to use your gifts to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful to be a part of a community where we can do that on a regular basis. Anyone have a page number for me? 633. If that doesn't get you there, it will get you really close. 633 in the Pew Bibles. Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38. It's rare often in our lives that you truly can know the thoughts or the mind or the heart of someone. Now, historically, there have been um, rare occasions where we have found the diaries of men and women, and so we can look into their hearts and to their minds. For example, Pliny the Younger, not to be confused with Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Younger, living in the ancient world, experienced personally firsthand Mount Vesuvius, blowing up and covering Pompeii in ashes. And even today, they found some of those remains. So that's an instance where we know the mind and the heart of Pliny the Younger. Another couple that we have heard of that um, you know, you might not know personally, but you know of in American history, Lewis and Clark, who went to the New World and they categorized everything that they experienced, even to their dinners and their lunches. And they began to write about what their minds and their hearts experienced when they encountered all of these new animals one of which would have been the woodpecker. Now, can you imagine, this is just where my mind goes when I'm reading stories like this. Can you imagine when they first laid eyes on the woodpecker? Lewis is like, that bird just ran into the tree. Clark said, no, no, no. No, that bird, he's ramming his head into the tree. And Lewis said, we have to get this down. They won't believe, what? this bird's gone mad. What is he doing? We take it for granted that we know what the woodpecker's doing. And to be the first person to, from Europe to see that and say, well, they, they're not going to believe what we saw. So we have a firsthand knowledge of Lois and Clark. Anne Frank, living in Amsterdam, a young Jewish lady in World War II, and dialoguing personally how she experienced as she hid from the Nazis who tried to ravage her nation and her lineage. That's rare. And today we have another one of these opportunities where we get to see and to be a part of witnessing a man's personal experience when he was told for the first time, I have bad news, it's terminal. You're going to die. 3,000 years ago, Hezekiah received news that he had a major illness and that it would end in death. So today we're going to look at that And say, Lord, how can we get our lives in order? Lord, if that were to happen to me today, how would I live differently, radically, for the sake of Jesus Christ? 
So today's message simply entitled, Get Your House in Order from Isaiah 38. 1. So let's read Isaiah beginning in verse 38, starting with verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah, king, we'll get to him later, became terminally ill. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, came and said to him, this is what the Lord says, set your house in order for you are about to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. He said, Please, Lord, remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly. And I have done what pleases you. And Hezekiah began to weep bitterly. Verse 4, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah again. Go and tell Hezekiah. This is what the Lord God, your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Look, I am going to add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you from the city and the grasp of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city and this will be a sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. I'm going to make the sun's shadow that goes down on the stairway of Ahaz come back 10 steps. So the sun's shadow went back the 10 steps and it had descended. And verse nine begins a personal autobiographical poem that Hezekiah writes in response, his prayer in response to this event in his life. Let's pray. Father, help us today get our houses in order. Lord, help us not wait until it's too late. And my prayer personally is that it would not take this news to waken us up. Lord, we do not pray for tragedy. We do not pray for death and calamity. But Lord, we pray that you, your spirit, would wake our hearts and our minds up right now. Lord, show us urgency. May we not sit idly by, but may your spirit empower us to live for you because you are worth it. Father, that is our prayer. Reorient our lives, prioritize our lives in a way where you would get the glory and the honor forever and ever. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So in those days, verse one, what a wake-up call, right? I mean, verse one, in those days, Hezekiah became terminally ill. Now at this point, Hezekiah was a young man. History tells us that he was around 39 years old. And I'd begin to think, how would I react right now if Isaiah texted me and said, Josh, bad news, you're going to die. The, the illness that you have, it is fatal. Thus says the Lord. How would, how would we react? Think about that for a moment. It's easy for us to say, well, this is historical narrative. This happened to Hezekiah, but surely it wouldn't happen today. But what if it did? What if the Lord said, Josh, you have a week. Some of you have lived through that with those that you, you love. 
And in all of this, you might be seeing, thinking right now to yourself, well, what did Hezekiah, like, what did he do to deserve this news? That's a great question to ask because oftentimes we think, well, he must have been a great sinner. He must have been a horrible king. Well, actually, Hezekiah was one of the one of the five good kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. Hezekiah, actually, the word of the Lord says this about Hezekiah. Listen to what 2 Kings 18 verse 3 says about Hezekiah. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David has done. So what was Hezekiah's reward for living a righteous life? We read it, right? His reward was in those days, Hezekiah became terminally ill. This was a life-threatening illness. And it was commonplace for the kings and those that were sick to, to ask one of the prophets, hey, come give me good news. Tell me what the Lord says. And Hezekiah could not have chosen a more prominent, powerful prophet than Isaiah. And Isaiah comes and he does not give a judgment to Hezekiah, he gives a statement of fact. And this is Isaiah's word. Did you catch it in verse two? He says, Hezekiah, get your house in order. I don't know if you felt the weight of those words, but there's something visceral and powerful about a God-defining moment in your life. Some of you have been through that. You, you know, man, I was there when I heard this about my husband or my wife or my child or my grandparents. There was someone I loved and I, I have been through this and I remember the weight and I remember how it shaped my life. The psalmist would say it this way, Psalm 90. The psalmist says, Lord, teach me to number my days carefully so that I may develop wisdom in my heart. The psalmist says, Lord, teach me this truth. Lord, let, let me think about the number of my days so that, that I may live wisely. Lord, let me not be so foolish to think I will live forever and, and waste my life. And so are we doing our young people an injustice when, they, when we say, you have your whole life ahead of you. Maybe we should say, Lord, teach them to number their days so that they may live wisely, live urgently, live passionately. Lord, help us get our homes in order. Is that not exactly what the thief on the cross does in, in Luke chapter 23? You have one that's mocking Jesus and the, the other is saying, well, he, we deserve it. Jesus does not. And the second thief looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me. Remember me. And Jesus says what to this thief? Truly I tell you that today you will be with me in paradise. What does the thief do? He is getting his house in order on the cross. So I, I ask right now, what will be your wake-up call? What will be your wake-up call? Maybe you need a spiritual reset. Maybe you look at your life recently and you have been just spinning your wheel spiritually. You've been running the rat race. And listen, we get it. We run the race too. We have Fall Fest tonight and then we have makeup soccer games on Tuesday night. And then there's something at the school on, on Tuesday night. Monday we make up games and then we have Wednesday night church and then 
Thursday night, we have something else. And then Friday night, it's like, whew. And then Saturday, we have something else. And it's like, Lord, when will it slow down? And God's saying, well, Josh, when were you going to look at me? Because I promise that I will give you rest, even in the moments of, of busyness. And maybe you are like me and you say, God, I, I need a spiritual reset. Lord, I need to keep the main things, the main things, and the plain things, the plain things. Lord, let me, uh, I was praying with a brother this morning and our prayer was, Lord, help us, help us live in the moment. Father, if we're having a conversation, if we're speaking truth to someone, Lord, let us not go to the next conversation. Lord, let me not go to the next appointment, but let me just understand your grace in my life today. Because tomorrow will take care of itself. So would you just have the boldness right now to say, Lord, I want you to spiritually reset and recharge my life right now. Lord, today, right now, Father, I want you to reset my life. And Lord, if you do it with some news like this, Father, I I will trust in you. And Lord, if you use some other way, but Father, I want your spirit to work in my life to reset me. Because I want to live a life of, of passion and live a life where I am pursuing Jesus. Because I believe the opposite of a wake-up call is a wasted life. And one of my fears is I will get to heaven one day and see God face to face and he will say, Josh, you did a lot of things, but you wasted. You wasted so much time. You know, when you had a chance to share Christ with this person, and, and I know your mind was on that next appointment, but you missed it. You wasted it. Lord, help us not waste, help us not waste those conversations when we're driving to school with our kids. Help us not miss the conversations when we're calling someone on the phone. Lord, help us not waste when we open your word in the morning and we know, hey, I have to get out of the house at seven o'clock, but I have 15 minutes. Lord, help me not be thinking about what I have to do next, but help me just say, God, I want to know you and rest in you right now. Maybe for you it's just realizing that Cracker Barrel will wait today. And God wants you to rest in him right now. May we understand the joy of resting. So with that, with this wake-up call, then how does Hezekiah now put us into a place where we pursue Christ? Well, look at verse 2 and 3. This is what Hezekiah does when he hears this, this horrible news. And he, he says, and he does in verse 2, he, he turns his face to the wall. Now, that's an interesting historical fact. We're going to come back to that. And then he prays to the Lord. So Hezekiah's first response was to turn his face not to God, but he turns his face to the wall. He just looks at a wall, right? This is not the wailing law and the, the grandeur of the temple. This is the wall in his inner parlor. And I think what Hezekiah is showing us today is that when we reorient our lives, when we get our houses in order, the first place we have to start is we need to look into our hearts. So Hezekiah puts his face to the wall. He says, I don't want anyone else in here. Lord, it's just me and you in my heart. And we see that he begins to weep bitterly. So for Hezekiah, his illness led him to self-examination. We have no record where Hezekiah looks at Isaiah and he says, this is not fair. Don't you know what 2 Kings says about me? 
I have honored God. They're, they're only, they're not even five good kings yet, right? There's only about three and I'm one of them. That would be Hall of Fame territory. One out of three in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Lord, this is not fair. This is not what I've signed up for. No, Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and he says, Lord, this is my heart. So what does your heart say today? What does your heart say about your life? And we have some similar phrases in English, right? Hit the wall. It's a place where athletes, they just can't go anymore. They can't run anymore. The Germans say it this way. In German, they would say, der Mann mit dem Hammer, which means the, the man hit with a hammer. It's, it's almost this picture of you're running your life, you're running a race, and a man just comes up and like hits you in the back of the Achilles and you fall down. And the reality is some of us in life have felt that way, haven't we? You feel like you're living and your, your things are going good. And then, bam, out of nowhere, Isaiah just throws a hammer into your life. And I believe Hezekiah is saying, we must look at our hearts. Look at your hearts and open your heart to the Lord. This is the heart of the covenant. Is the heart of the man after seeking after God's own heart. And then he begins to weep. Did you catch that? Look at verse three. He says, please, Lord, please remember how, how I have walked before you faithfully, Lord, and wholeheartedly, and I have done what pleases you. And he begins to weep. I believe Hezekiah gives permission to his heart to grapple with his news. So he turns to the wall. He says, Lord, I want to spend time with my heart and, and understand what this news is going in my life. And it's a reminder to me and to you, listen, we all grieve in different ways. And we must give permission to our hearts to feel the weight of bad news. Isaiah does not come to Hezekiah and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. Just deal with it. Suck it up. God gave you 39 years. And isn't that not what we do sometimes to people who are grieving? They, they have opened their heart. They've laid their heart bare before God. And we almost want to say, quit doing that. And Hezekiah is saying, no, this is raw emotion. I'm going to give my heart to God. I'm going to examine my own heart. Why? Because God can see how we feel. God can see how you feel today. And the heart of house cleaning, the first step is self-examination. And will you give permission to your heart today to say, seek Christ. I lay you bare before the Lord. That is the first step in cleaning our house. Verse two, secondly, what Hezekiah does, he turns his face to the wall and then he does what with his voice? Face to the wall, voice to the Lord. And he says to the Lord in verse two, verse one, he says, Hezekiah, he says, Lord, remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly and have done what pleases you. So after we look to our hearts and we self-examine our lives, we then look to the Lord. We should say, God, I need you. So suffering leads Hezekiah straight to where? 
to God. That's, that's what suffering should do for the Christian. We should not say, God, this is not fair. Don't you understand where I am a member of a church? Don't you know what I have done for you? No, we should say, God, I need you more than anything right now. God, let me seek you. Father, let me follow you. And why would Hezekiah go to the Lord? Because he knows he's going to find mercy. He knows he's going to have a response. Hezekiah knows that God is going to hear him. And he doesn't, uh, he doesn't appeal to the, the transcendence of God. He doesn't say, God... If you're up there, I could really use you right now. Now, how does Hezekiah pray? Lord, I I need your eminence. God, I need you right now here in this place. God, it's just me and the wall and you. And Lord, I need you. Father, my covenant father. God, I need you. And when was the last time you felt the nearness of God in your life? When's the last time when you were praying, you just felt like God was sitting right next to you and and you almost had to open your eyes and say, whoa, Lord, you're there. That's the promise we have through the Holy Spirit. That, That we can, in our darkest of days, we can say, God, I can't see you, but I know you're here. That is your promise. And so, Lord, I appeal to your eminence, God. I need you right here in my life. Spurgeon would say it this way. Nearness to God brings likeness to God. The more you see God, the more of God will be seen in you. And I could almost see Hezekiah looking to the sky saying, God, right now, in this moment, I need you. Where does our house began to take shape is when we look to God and say, God, I need you right here. And the greatest threat to your faith is for Satan to make you think that God is not close. Like Satan wants you to think that God saved you through his son. He sent the Holy Spirit. And he just wound you up and he let you go. He said, good luck. That's not what God does for us. God says, I am, I am with you. And I will be with you even to the ends of the the age. That is the promise we have in Jesus Christ. So set your house in order today. Lay your heart bare before God and look to God, his nearness and say, God, I need you and I want you. God, I don't care about everyone else here, just me and you. Man, what a beautiful picture of the God's nearness. He is here. Praise God that he is here here and hezekiah continues in his prayer he looks to the wall and he lays his heart bare he looks to god and he begins to pray and he says this we've already read it several times he says please god lord remember god remember how i have walked before you faithfully Lord, remember, not like my granddad, the king, but Lord, I I walk like David did. And Lord, remember, I have done what pleases you. And he begins to weep. Now, here is conviction in our lives. We must be able to look at our life and say, God, I am living a life that honors you. And this is what stopped me in my tracks when I was reading this scripture this week. I began to ask the question, God, can I pray this prayer? 
If we're honest, right, could you, could, could I literally pray out loud, God, remember how I have walked before you faithfully? Or do I need to pray, God, remember, remember how unfaithful I was? Could I pray this prayer? And Lord, I have wholeheartedly done what pleases you. Well, and may my life be able to say that. I want to get my house in order to a place where I can pray this prayer. I want my kids one day at my deathbed, where there is this week or years from now, for them to be able to say, I, we have a father who had his house in order and he walked in your ways, Lord, and he was wholehearted before you. And God, we will celebrate. We will praise your name because of what our father did. And as we dedicated um, baby Barrett today. That's my prayer for Matt and their family that one day Barrett will be able to look at his mom and dad and say, God, look at the life that they lived. So can you, can your life say this? Hezekiah uses the word wholeheartedly. He didn't say halfway or half-heartedly. God doesn't ask us to clean out some of our closets. He asks us to set our house in order. And if we're honest, some of us come to faith and we say, God, I will give you this closet, the pantry, and I will give you this closet, but every other room's mine. And God says, no, Josh, I want your whole heart. Oh, that we could pray prayers like Hezekiah, can you? Today, could you honestly, if I call on you to pray right now, could you honestly stand up and say, God, you know how I've walked faithfully before you, and God wholeheartedly, so listen to my prayer. Oh, that we could pray that. May that be the desire of our hearts. Again, verse 3, look to your heart, look to the Lord, look to your life. And then we see this in verse 3. And it's hidden here, but we're going to unpack it shortly. Hezekiah says, please, Lord, remember. There's power in remembrance, by the way. Lord, remember how I have walked faithfully before you and wholeheartedly and have done what pleases you. And he begins to weep. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Now, here's something interesting that you do not see in Isaiah, but we find in 2 Kings chapter 20. So Hezekiah delivers this message and he leaves. By the time Hezekiah gets to the courtyard of the king, the Lord begins to work in Isaiah's life. So Isaiah delivers a message. By the time he's in the courtyard, the Lord says, hold up. I have heard the prayer of Hezekiah. Go back in. And so we see this answer to the, this prayerful petition of Hezekiah. And what we see here in this passage, that God is waiting on us to pray. That God wants us to pray. We're going to talk about it. Does God change his mind? So hold that thought. But God, what does Jesus tell us in Matthew 7, 7? He says, hey, ask. You want, you ask and it will be given. So if we believe Jesus at his word, which I think is a really good idea. If you have not been given, then I am probably not asking. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock. And the door will be open. Now, some of you are thinking, million dollars, here we go. Bankroll my bucket list. 
No, it has to be in the will of God without selfish motives for his kingdom's sake. But the Lord says, if you ask, I will give. God wants to give us good gifts. He doesn't give you a snake when you ask for bread. God wants to lavish upon you what he desires in your life. And that's exactly what's going here in Hezekiah's life. So a quick aside, when Hezekiah prays, so clearly God through Isaiah tells Hezekiah, you are going to die, right? Shake your head if you agree with that. And it's going to be soon, right? Yes. Okay. So Hezekiah prays and then God says, just kidding. Some people read the text that way. That's not what God is saying. The Lord heard his heart and he added years to his life in verse 4 and following. 15 years to be exact. What is going on here? Well, God is not necessarily responding to the faithfulness of Hezekiah. God is responding to his faithfulness. God is responding to the Lord's faithfulness. Remember how Hezekiah prays. Hezekiah says, Lord, did you forget already? Okay. Hezekiah prays, Lord, remember. Now, there is a long list of remembrances in the scripture. And it's interesting how the Lord responds to Hezekiah. Listen to, Hez- listen to the Lord's response. Verse five, he tells Isaiah, go back and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord God of your ancestor, David. Now, why would God call David into the picture? Because the Lord remembered. You see, what was God's promise to David? That you will always have a man on the throne. And what we don't know at this moment, but what we expect and we think is that, that Hezekiah had yet to have a son. And so Hezekiah might be saying, God, don't you remember what you promised? God, don't you remember what you promised David, that we, there would always be someone. Remember, remember, Lord, remember my faithfulness and how I have honored your covenant. So now, Lord, remember your covenant. So what is going on here in the sovereignty of God? The Lord allows Hezekiah to see part of the picture. If the Lord would have said, you're about to die, but then you're going to pray, and then I'm going to give you 15 years. Hezekiah probably would not have prayed. But there's many times in our life where God shows us part of the picture so that we will completely depend upon him. God did not change his mind. He, he heard this prayer and he did what he was going to do. And he wanted Hezekiah to completely trust in him. So Hezekiah prays and now God listens to this prayer and he appeals to the covenant. And so what is the promise? David will have a man on the throne. So almost in similar parallel imagery, Hezekiah has a decision to make. Much like Abraham. Remember Abraham is through this son Isaac, I will make you a man of many nations. And then God says to Abraham, I want you to kill this son of promise. I want you to sacrifice this child. So Abraham has a choice to make. Am I going to cut out the lineage of God? Or am I going to completely surrender my life to the Lord? In the same way, Hezekiah is saying, God, I know your promise. But Lord, will I completely trust in you in this moment right now? We have similar promises today. Let me give you one promise. We should look to the promises of God in our lives. Ephesians chapter 1. I love this 
picture of what God is doing for those that who love him and are called according to his purposes. Ephesians 1, 13. In Jesus, in him, you were sealed. Now, let me just say about your salvation. Some people say, well, can I lose my salvation? What God has sealed, no one's going to unseal. Right? You try, to, you try to break that box. You can't. This God has sealed for the promise of redemption, the promise of the Holy Spirit when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, the Holy Spirit, I love this imagery, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession of the praise of his glory. Listen, we must look to the promises of God. When you say, I just don't feel like God working in my life, go back to this verse and say, God, if I have believed in your son, Jesus, I am sealed. Like like Stevie Wonder, I am signed, sealed, and one day I will be delivered. But until I am delivered, there's a down payment on the delivery. And it's the Holy Spirit. Man, what what a glorious promise we have. Oh, the promises of God are always faithful. And because of Hezekiah's prayer, the Lord says, I have seen and I have heard. Look to the promises of God. Finally, let's go back to verse one. Set our house in order. That's the charge given to Hezekiah here in verse 1. The prophet Isaiah comes to him. The, the, the prophet Isaiah, by the way, means the Lord saves. And, and Isaiah comes and says, God's not saving you. You will die. Set your house in order. And we see in this prayer of Hezekiah what God has done in his life. For instance, look at verse 17 really quick. This prayer. Look at what Hezekiah says. This is his diary, right? He's, he's unfolding his life before us. Now, this is what my, my diary would sound like this. Dear Josh, I cannot believe what God just did. Worst news ever. But that's not what Hezekiah says. Hezekiah says, verse 17, Indeed, It was for my own well-being that I had such intense bitterness. Wow. I don't know if I could have written that. And then he says this. He says, but your love, Lord, your love has delivered me from the pit of of destruction, for you have thrown all my sins behind your back. You want to know what a house in order sounds like? That's a house in order. Lord, it was for my own well-being that you sent that news. And you have thrown my sins away. So if if Isaiah and Hezekiah could stand before us today and give us any thoughts about getting our houses in order? What would be their quick Cliff Notes version about getting your house in order? I think Hezekiah would say this. One, remember to leave a legacy. 
Remember to leave. A man leaves his house in order not when his will is effective, not when he has set up his kids with a good retirement plan or wealth. A man gets his house in order when he has instructed his family in the ways of the Lord. Hezekiah would say, make sure you have passed on your faith. Make sure you can say like me, Lord, examine my ways. I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly. Can you say that today? If not, I pray that you would just spend some, right now, spend some time praying and say, God, I want that. I want that legacy in my life. Truth number two, I think Hezekiah would say this, live with urgency. There's no man who would live as urgent as a man who who knows that they are dying. There is no time to waste. Keep the main things, the main things. Seek the Lord and unashamedly follow him. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may live with wisdom. We don't know. And we waste so much time and so many resources in our life. Live with urgency. I think truth number three that we see as application. I, Hezekiah would simply say, if, you're, if you are putting off conversations in your life that you need to have, don't put those off. If you do not have restitution with someone who's harmed you, make restitution. If you have not forgiven someone that you should be forgiving, do it today. If there are broken relationships that you need to repair, do that today. Do not let the sun set on your wrath. Do not be with the Lord one day and he says, Josh, you missed it. You had a chance. Have conversations. Call someone up and tell them that you love them. Don't let them, don't make them guess. Before you leave here today, grab someone and say, look, you might not know this. I haven't told you, but I want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. And may God be honored in your life. Have those conversations today. And if you have a teenager here who is, or a young person here, and they are a thorn in your flesh because they are hormonal and they are crazy, or you have a toddler who is throwing a temper tantrum, I want you to look at them before you leave and say, you've lost your mind, but I love you. And I don't love you because of what you do. I love you because you're mine. And, And so that's exactly what God does for us. Don't make them guess. Have those conversations. I think Hezekiah would tell us this, run to the Lord, run to Yahweh. Don't wait till tomorrow. The greatest threat to you coming to faith is Satan making you think, do it tomorrow. I know that the Holy Spirit's convicting you of your sin, but just wait. You're not ready yet. No, you are always ready for grace. Run to the Lord. And I think Hezekiah would say this, never be scared to pour out your heart before the Lord. Never be scared to weep before God and say, Lord, I'm going to turn to the wall and I'm going to pour out my heart to the wall because I know that you, you see what I feel. Lord, I'm tired of the mask. The danger in sensational moments like Hezekiah experienced. I think we have two avenues. It's like this man I, I read about recently who planted a fig tree and he loved that fig tree and this first beautiful crop of figs, he picked them by himself and he took them to his room by himself because he was going to eat them by himself because he wanted to be the first to taste of this crop. And he bites into the first fig and he sees a worm. So he spits it out and throws it on the floor. And he 
takes another fig and he eats the fig and he finds a worm and he spits it out and he finally says, okay, I'm tired of this. And he eats the third fig and he looks and there is a worm. And so he gets up, he says, I've had enough of this. So he gets up from his chair and he goes to the wall. He turns off the light. He goes back to his chair and he finishes the figs. (laughs) If we're not careful, church, we can hear these stories. We can see our need. We can close our Bibles and we can say, it won't happen to me. We turn out the light. And if the Holy Spirit is drawing you and you realize your life is not what it is or what it should be and God is calling you to himself, just know that Jesus loves you and he loved you while you were still a sinner. And he loved you enough to take your place on the cross. And you say, well, that's not fair. It's not, but it's the gospel. And he died in your place and he rose again and that if you would believe In him, the Bible says that you will be saved and that you will be sealed by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in your life is a down payment for the inheritance that God is building for you. If your life is not what it should be, do not wait. Lay your heart before God and say, God, you know what I already am. I am a sinner and today I need you to change me. Don't wait. Don't wait because God has brought you here to hear this good news that you might follow him. Maybe you're here and this is your wake up call. You just need to pray, Lord, I need my house in order. God, I want to be a man who one day can stand before you and say, but it was for my benefits. Well, thank you for loving me. Hezekiah says in 39, 38, 19, He says this about God. The living, only the living can thank you as I do today. A father will make your faithfulness known to children. Is your house in order? If you were to die today and you were to stand before the throne and God would say to you, Josh, why should I let you into my heaven? That you could say confidently, you shouldn't. But Jesus, Jesus took my place and he paid for my redemption. And Lord, you said, you promised me if I believe I will be yours. So God, I will stand upon your promises. And oh, that Jesus would look at us and say, God, Father, I took his place. God, wait, he's in our family now. We've adopted him. Oh Lord, put our houses in order this morning. Let me pray. Father.